Welcome back to Ben and Matt's Marvelous Journey. This is a MCU podcast as we, we take a look at everything that occurred in the year before. We are we are on 2022's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. My name is Matt Waters. I'm joined by Ben Phillips. We are Ben and Matt. Obviously, Ben, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I watched this movie. Uh-huh in the middle of a work trip on my iPad. So it definitely wasn't like... Ideal, optimal setting. <laughs> no, I was very tired. I'd been in like seven hours of meetings during the day. Okay. And I was like, this is the only time I have to do this because if I don't do it today, uh-huh. I'm going to be watching it after a three-hour drive. So yeah, I watched do this it tonight. while building a Gundam. Not a franchise I, I know anything about, but I, I discovered through Transformers that I'm apparently into making tiny little models. Um, so and, and Gundam is nothing but that. All the manuals are exclusively in Japanese. Uh, they give you numbers, but otherwise it's all just like <laughs> yes, Doctor Strange. We were literally just saying the first film since Infinity War. We were both like super hyped for. Like I, I like Endgame. I mean, I, I give it shit because people put it at like for me, it's not a top three, top five. I still think it's very good. But, like, people absolutely gush, and my position is it's, like, good, not great, or, or great, I, I not amazing, you know, well, however yeah, you want to phrase it. Yeah, and I don't think this is great, but this is definitely the one that I'm, like, most... This is probably the, the movie, this miniseries, that I'm most excited for us to talk about in terms of a movie. Coming out of this, I was like, oh, Marvel are back, baby. Because, <laughs> I mean, the COVID years have been rough, the Disney Plus era has been rough. Of course, the very next film that we'll talk about for them... In my opinion, the absolute worst one they've ever made. <laughs> but for a brief moment, I got to pretend Marvel were back, baby. Yeah, and and the the thing with this one is is we came out of this and we were quite positive. And I saw this with a with a bunch of friends, some of whom were a little bit more casual, and I could tell from the way they were talking about it that they were like getting burnt out on it. And this <laughs> movie didn't help because this okay. movie does have a lot of stuff in it that is exciting for fans who've read the comic books, but is maybe just a yeah. bit like, well, who is this? What is this? Why is why is Professor Xavier in this movie? And then I feel like the online discourse for this movie <laughs> is entirely consumed by whether or not they did Scarlet Witch dirty. That and children being confused by a real filmmaker <laughs> making a film. Yes. There are many things that need to be considered in the lens of this movie. One of them being Marvel generally don't hire people who have storied careers and have a bold creative voice. Like the closest would be Ryan Coogler, who they snatched up when he was still like relatively young and in their opinion malleable, I'm sure. But yeah, yes, Sam Raimi you can, you can... comes out of a ten year retirement essentially. I mean he was producing stuff, but yeah, I mean, he hasn't directed anything. He'd been trying to direct stuff. Mm. I mean, I watched all the Sam Raimi movies in the run-up to this last year, so I was, like, fully in the Sam Raimi mind headbase. Yeah. And his last movie is Oz the Great and Powerful, which is yeah. atrocious. <laughs> like, like truly awful. And I really like Driving to Hell. Spider-Man 3 is... Mm. Spider-Man 3, I think, is... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, half the movie is kind of great, and then the other half of the movie is is so much the Sony idea of what a Spider-Man movie should be that yeah. has kind of persisted over the next decade, yeah. and it wasn't until Foggy came in and stopped them. And even then, you've still got the fact that they're having conversations in 2021 where they're like, well, what if we did a Sinister Six movie, more or less, in a Spider-Man? It's like, yeah. chill, don't rush this, let it let it breathe. But they, they managed to get their way, and they made the highest grossing Spider-Man movie the third highest grossing movie of the pandemic or however you want to say it but yeah sam raimi coming back out of semi-retirement or out of like director jail however you want to refer to it (laughs) 
a huge surprise. He invented the blueprint for superhero yeah. movies. How was he ever in jail? Feel, I do feel kind of dirty that I've got this and Spider-Man at the same score. Mm. But I think they're both kind of like wildly at the different ends where it's like yeah. Doctor Strange is overcoming some like pretty... Constra- like big constraints it's got against it because it's got to fit in the MCU, it's got to do all this kind of stuff whereas Spider-Man feels like it's the test run for what Spider-Man 2 will be Yeah, it's like his first crack at it versus like, he's much better at making, well I'm not going to say he's much better at making movies because obviously he made movies before Spider-Man, he's better at making this type of movie than he was when he made mm. Spider-Man 1 but then, yeah, there are some masters he has to serve and I, I, I personally don't think any of the Marvel stuff gets in the way of this movie at all, I think it slots in quite nicely but maybe we'll we'll get to that in the course of the plot yeah. but I, I mean, mean i mean i feel like the the thing we have to discuss up front is yeah. that this is the longest wait in between a first movie and a second movie that they've had in the mcu yeah and like, on, like got... on the subject of that like if we cast our minds back to doctor strange one you know you can go listen to the episode but like i think we agree it's kind of like middling like it it, it it's there's nothing like aggressively wrong with it but it, it it isn't very exciting. It's kind of like the thing that's most proof of the machine is... reaching. Like you know, we have found the blueprint. Here is an autocomplete script, and <laughs> we put yeah, our the, star the, in it. The stuff that's most exciting is all the like the visual effects stuff. Yeah. Like I don't think any of the performances mm. make it rise above what it needs to do. Like obviously Mads is doing like Mads's thing, but he can do that in his sleep. Of course. The mirror universe stuff is fun. Yeah. The 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 confrontation with Dormammu at the end is is a lot of fun and like in terms of like the concept behind it, but it isn't thematically or like driven by performance or, or all these kind of things. And then you've got like the the weird Marvel attempts at humor that that, that pervade it, and obviously all of that is uh, informed by like is that the first time they've got a Rick and Morty writer in the room? Because obviously they get so. Dan Harmon. Dan we'll switch Harmon from community writers to, to Rick and Morty writers. <laughs> yes, yes. Because that's where Dan Harmon went. So, that's where Dan Harmon went, and that's where Michael Waldron comes from, Yes, who, who wrote this movie. But yeah, so like 2016 to 2022 is the longest wait in between any, I any two movies. I hadn't considered that, but absolutely. And part of that is because, I mean, Scott Derrickson is immediately back working on a sequel as soon as the movie comes, the first movie comes out. Spends two years in development. He's on as the director, and then he quits um, in in 2019. No, 2020. He he stops. So they get all the way to 2020. Clearly, his ideas weren't popping because they weren't rushing this thing out. Conversely, like, also, I've like, heard that they're trying to fast track a Doctor Strange three to come out before whichever one of the two Avengers movies is coming out first. <laughs> yeah, and when obviously like when this is the setup for Secret War, that does make sense. But it, it is does. this interesting thing where like what so iron man it's like two years in between each movie captain america's like two years between each movie there is a just longer a, gap between the four movies just a different era man like they used to mm. be able to like that they completed a trilogy of movies in like what five six seven years and now we've got movies that are like you know i don't want to keep hitting eternals on the head but eternals comes out they tease a character and a plot point and there's no sign of an Eternals 2, even in the distant horizon. You hear the occasional rumour, like, oh, blah, 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 is working on Eternals 2, but, like, there's nothing. And they used to be like, right, Iron Man 2 is in two years. <laughs> like, yes. see it now. <laughs> Iron Man 2 is in two years, Iron Man 3 is three years after that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and even then, and, but I think the benefit is, and the, the only other movie that kind of, like, falls into this is Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And yeah. Guns of the Galaxy 3 is a fucking wild contrast to this because the director straight up got fired 
from the movie, <laughs> went to the rival studio, directed a, a sequel, a sequel to one of the most maligned superhero movies of all time, directed a TV show before he did Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and is now running Had that rival such a good time, he well. decided I'll stay forever, actually, but I'll just have a quick stop back at my old house to... Uh, to... Sort some paperwork in the form of a giant movie. A Maybe that's just because James Gunn, yeah, James Gunn just like likes to work. I think is yeah. is the thing there. You can I th- say. I think and... you can say whatever you want, and I do about the shittiness <laughs> of DC's movies. They do give the creators way more freedom because I think the higher ups mm-hmm. don't give a shit. <laughs> They're like, yeah, whatever, just just make the movie. Whereas and I think Marvel, both of the opinion. <laughs> Yeah, we're both of the opinion that kind of the last four years or so, the best superhero movie of each year has been a DC movie. Yeah, in my opinion, or or a DC project. Like I, I think Peacemaker was the best thing that came out last year. Yeah, and even then, that's year. That's, that's last year we had Batman, we had Peacemaker. Year oh, before and Batman. that, you got Sorry, Suicide yeah, Squad. Jesus was... Christ, no, Batman was better than Peacemaker. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but Suicide Squad is better than all the Marvel movies in 2021. Yeah. Like in 2020, you get Birds of Prey. Yeah. Like 2019 is obviously like a little off year, but like even then, like. Like, I'm more enthusiastic probably about Wonder Woman than I am a lot of the stuff that came out in 2017 from Marvel. They just have wild um, swings. If they if they attach a creative voice that like is good, then you get something good. And if they attach Zack Snyder, we've seen his one idea. <laughs> you know, I mean. But um, even then, like the best the best thing he did for them is the one where it's completely chains off. You can make your four hour epic and all the rest of it. Do whatever the fuck you want with this unlimited bucket of money. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, it, it's six years in between these two movies. Scott Derrickson leaves, and they bring on they bring on Sam Raimi. Yeah. I think the benefit they have is that Strange is in a movie every single year. Yeah. After Doctor Strange, like he's in Thor Ragnarok, he's in Infinity War, he's in Endgame. Yep. Obviously, nothing comes out in 2020, and then no he's in, yeah. in No Way Home. Yeah. So, so he, he's around. Out. Like he's racked up a surprising number of appearances, and I think that has helped them to. One of my issues with the first movie is I don't think it's fun to see Doctor Strange slowly learn magic. I think it is more fun to see Strange be insanely good at magic, and by having him keep popping up, it lets you fast track that and like, oh, time is passing, and we're just checking in on him every now and then. Clearly, he's learned some stuff in the meantime. <laughs> It's, it's also quite funny because I remember when we were discussing this because obviously the Doctor Strange casting comes 2016. This mm. is like in that run where Benedict Cumberbatch is everywhere. Like, I mean, that's the thing. I always on... thought he's going to be too difficult for them to get long term. So my assumption when they announced this movie is he's going to tutor Wanda to take his place because they can get Elizabeth Olsen. But like, he just loves to work, man. Like, it's not like he hit a lull year and then decided to do Doctor Strange again. Because, like, he's in Power of the Dog. Like, he's in 1917. Like, he's all over the place. Yeah, I mean, and obviously it's a small role in 1917. But, yeah. like, he, he was one of the favourites to win the Oscar in 2021 for, for Power of the Dog. Yeah. He is consistently working. And, obviously, he's got that Marvel movie every single year. But we've said, like, they're always quite small roles in the in the grand scheme of things. Like, he's got what, like one moment where he's on a green screen background in Endgame, really. Like, he's not in that movie all that much, but it's obviously a very pivotal moment in the legacy of Tony Stark. He's just a man who likes to work, and I think being freed from the shackle of having to do three Sherlock episodes every couple of years (laughs) just means that he's able to do this kind of stuff a lot more often. So this has kind of replaced Sherlock in his schedule, and I'm sure this is less of a time constraint on him than 
than Sherlock and is. he stopped I mean, obviously... at theatre and went fully into movies and TV and stuff so yes. yeah that helps too um, but it does and and obviously you've got I mean this movie did not have a smooth production cycle I think the, the behind the scenes stuff on this movie definitely say how chaotic this movie was like the fact that we've heard so much about cameos that were cut characters who've, who seem like they were going to be huge roles in this and then just completely have nothing roles I mean the, the, the person we need to spend about half an hour talking about <laughs> Michael Stuhlbarg in this movie where he is a hand credit or with credit and he has a scene 30 seconds and it's like (laughs) and it's like did you think you had more or was this just his contract scaled up and and he managed to like talk his way into this because yeah it is a nothing role but he has got like this he he is credited as like i know it must just be some legacy thing if you're in the first one and you're still in the second one and like and if you've had like an oscar nomination in between yeah you must be on the poster Yeah, his agent, the real MVP. Clearly, the vision of what this was going to be was very different under Derrickson. I think rumors came out about like Nightmare and characters like that, and then like Wanda as the villain, which such a oh duh moment in the cinema when I saw it because I was like, there's not a single shot of them standing next to each other in the trailer, and I didn't consciously realize that until we got into it, and they were like, and they don't even hide it that long. They're like, they have like two and a half minutes of conversation and then they reveal she's the villain and you're like, oh. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently at one point the cold open for the movie was going to be... She was going to murder Mordo. Yeah, normal Hoodie Mordo who's trying to kill all the sorcerers. <laughs> like, Which is weirdly just off the table in this. Like, that is the, the setup for the next movie yeah. and and then they cut it. And well, I, I think we all agree that sucked. Like, no, very true. I think it's... It, it's a bad setup for a sequel, but at least it ties the two movies together a little bit more explicitly. Oh yeah, yeah, and like to like, just completely at least ignore resolve it. Resolve the weird. and and like Strange brings it up, and I have to assume it's because they want to keep Chiwetel on the table for future movies, because obviously it's it's nice to have Chiwetel around. Like he's a good actor who can do good things when you've given him time and whatnot. Yeah. But you you have this weird thing where it's the same thing in in Thor: Love and Thunder. There's lots of rumors about actors who shot scenes for that movie who aren't in the movie whatsoever, and it feels like. It's because Marvel were like, well, they died in the script, but if they don't die on screen and we don't leave, uh, release the footage of them dying, then we can come back to them later. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's keep as many actors under contract as we can. <laughs> a great way to make movies. Yeah, so obviously a lot changed. Took a long time to make, but for me, completely worth it. The most enthusiastic I've been about a new released movie they've done coming out of the whole Thanos saga, let's put it that way. And, uh, yeah, feeds directly into, you know, WandaVision, which some stuff wrong with it, but, like, a thing everyone was enthusiastic about for a time and also feeds into Loki, you know, which we agree is the best show they've made, you know, same same Mm -hmm. lead writer. I think people thought it would have more of a connection than it did, and that's another thing to talk about is there are definitely people who were disappointed by this because they built an impossible level of hype in their head that, like, we're going to get... Hugh Jackman and every past Marvel actor, which they may give you in fucking Kang Dynasty or Secret Wars, and they were also thinking like, right, what happened in Loki is 100% going to be addressed in Doctor Strange, and I have always held the position, they will do nothing on television that they cannot summarise in like five seconds of dialogue. (laughs) Like, none of that stuff is required viewing. Yeah, genuinely shocking the twins are in this movie as much as they are, yeah. in all honesty. But they, like, summarise um, WandaVision for you in 30 seconds. You don't need they to do. have seen WandaVision. I remember, just before it came out, in fact, maybe it had come out, 
and someone was like asking, what do I need to have watched? And someone who had seen the movie said the required viewing list was it was like, like all Age the of Ultron, every X-Men, all of X-Men 97, the, there's five seasons of that goddamn show. Inhumans, yes. They were just going on and on and on and on and on. And I'm like, I don't even think you need to have seen Doctor Fucking Strange to watch this movie. <laughs> People like, are crazy, like right? probably the most like the thing that sets up the tone of what this movie is trying to do the best is probably that that bad Doctor Strange episode of What If. Because yeah. that at least is in the same headspace of where this movie is, where it's yeah. like, what if Stephen and Christine's love is the thing that is like holding the entire universe together. Yeah, I kind of hate them for retroactively making that a valid relationship because our complaint <laughs> again was you built this entire premise on a relationship that means almost nothing. <laughs> he does not mention her in any of his. I mean, at least in like Avengers, you have Tony and Thor. No, I get. Oh, maybe it's Avengers 2. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, an it's Age of Ultron. Ultron where, they, like, where like neither Pepper nor. Jane are in the movie, and they have that moment where they're like talking about their relationships with each other. Yeah, and they at least acknowledge and, like, it. And in the first one, you at least get a screenshot of Natalie Portman on the screen and a confirmation she's safe and Pepper is in it. Christine does not come up for a fucking second in any of the other things that Doctor Strange is in. There is no evidence that he's moping around, completely depressed because he's lost her. And then they're like, his entire life is defined by his love for Christine. I'm like, bullshit, was it? <laughs> <laughs> and they give you this where like they make a sort of valid case for that being true but anyway so i mean i feel the only comic book corner to do here would be for a very specific section of it because i mean we did doctor strange we've done the scarlet witch in general but they bring up the notion of an incursion and we have well, the, I mean, the other one, the other one is the other one we have to do is America Chavez. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course, Young Avengers rules. Um, yeah, Young Avengers rules. America Chavez. She debuts in a comic book uh, by Joe Casey and Nick Dragotta in 2011 called Vengeance, which is kind of the introduction of her backstory and whatnot. It's a it's a kind of a standalone series, and then a few years later, Kieran Gillen reaches into this book, America Chavez, and teams her up with the Young Avengers, which is made up of. Scarlet Witch's dream children, uh, <laughs> who are made manifest later on at this point, and teams are up with Loki and and all these other characters who have been floating around in the MCU the last couple of years. And so we've talked a lot about this. Is like I think almost every project last year introduced a young Avenger in some way, shape, or form, and we yeah. knew America Chavez was going to be a key part of Doctor Strange. Like Loki has Kid Loki. WandaVision obviously has both the twins in it. Falcon and Winter Soldier's got Patriot. We know we're getting stature is significantly in Ant-Man 3, and obviously Cassie Lang's been around the longest out of anyone. Yeah. Is there could, anyone I'm forgetting? You could see a world that? where Ms. Marvel slides into being a young Avenger. You could, uh, Kate yes. Bishop. Kate Bishop's the, the biggest one that I forgot then. Obviously, yeah. the, a lot of Young Avengers, the 2013 series, is playing off of the relationship between... Miss America and and Hawkeye, which is why it'll be fun to see those two together. So yeah, so they've pulled this character, and it just felt like, ooh, Young Avengers definitely coming. Here's a place where Marvel can lay down the track work for building a team of young actors and actresses that they can like build at future phases around. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I and think he's the... too young, but there is a character that will debut at the end of of this phase that we will talk about in a post credit scene. And I just have a theory mm-hmm. that they're going to do some timey wimey bullshit where they become the adult version of their character. Yeah, with Kang and, and all that shit. Yeah, obviously, and obviously, this movie, like America Chavez, takes off in a big way after this series. It feels like she's got like 
she's a starring role on an awful lot of teams. Like since she's been introduced in the Young Avengers, she's on the Champions, she's on A4, she's on Ultimate, she's on West Coast Avengers, and she's on the Defenders. Yeah. Like Jesus. she's a big old popular character who floats around different teams because she's never gone up to the proper Avengers because I mean the the Avengers remit seems to have been the last couple of years to have been it only big hitters. Yeah. Like, only they, people who like feel like they can be run a solo series couldn't can be on this. Yeah, and this is very different from a time when they had like thirty man Avenger teams and like you could be <laughs> Rick Jones and be an Avenger and now it's like you must be as powerful as Ghost Rider or more powerful. It's like there are like seven people who are more powerful than Ghost Rider. <laughs> Um, yeah, so she's she's floating around the edge, and obviously the most important part of her character is that she has the ability to punch holes in the universe and travel to different dimensions yeah, or fun different to draw. universes. I think that's why. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the appeal is, is you get incredible art out of it. She's also gay as hell, which is nice for representation and uh, whatever minor shifts we're having in comics and stuff. Of course, the one, you know, the scene where she has gay parents in in this film is removed from certain international versions, which sucks. I mean, I, I said to you when I watched the movie, I was like, that that scene feels so unrelated to anything else going around it. It feels like they shot it in such a way where like they, they were they thinking about they could take it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But she's like the most significant new portion of this, and the I'm not going to say it's the issue with the 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 representation of her in this movie because I think Zoshi Gomez is really good at what she needs to do in this movie but what that is isn't fully formed america chavez because america chavez mm. is confident yes. and a little bit brash and uh like cocky but like in a in a charming way yeah. and in this movie america chavez is a little bit wet a little bit in training mm-hmm. um doesn't have control of her powers and it's not it's not a fault of the performance per se it's just it's odd that they've decided to go like we need to have a build up to this character learning how to use her powers when in all the comics she is like yeah fully she formed, those fully formed. She's yeah i think they try for it a little bit in the first when they're like sitting down in the cafe and like she's kind of talking shit to dr strange a bit and then she slips into like teen damsel in distress mode and mm-hmm. maybe they're using this as like you know the next time we see her she is going to be a lot more confident Odd choice to make her a sorcerer, but hey. Um, but yes, as you say, the most the most significant piece of law mm. in this is the introduction of incursions from which the best book from <laughs> from the best book, which is Jonathan Hickman's 2012 slash 2013 run on Avengers and New Avengers. And normally I run the comic book corner, but I'm going to let you oh wow okay. do this because you because you've read the book recently enough that I think you could like. <laughs> summarize it a lot better than I could. Well, I mean, I'm not going to summarize the entire run because it goes to insane places because of editorial decisions, but specifically the bit we're looking at here is this notion of incursions, which is when two universes, or specifically two Earths in the book, but I think they're just going with two universes in in the show, in the movie, are beginning to overlap, and if you don't do something about it, both are destroyed. So we have this team of Avengers um, that... I mean, the book is called New Avengers. The team in in the comics is called the Illuminati, which is a group that existed before. It's like super clever, influential people who are making secret decisions. They're all men, obviously. But I actually think that makes it and, work. <laughs> like, yes, and also they've they've made bad decisions in the past. So it's like these are like the yeah. the morally compromised people at, yes. the, at the corner of this. Like the first decision they make in the comics is the decision to blast Hulk off into space. Yes, he's um, breaking which too does much not end very on well. Earth, so they send him to space. When he becomes a gladiator, his child dies. 
his wife dies, so he comes back to Earth and conquers the Earth <laughs> in revenge. <laughs> so yeah, the Illuminati is, is, is historically, I mean, the lineup's changed a bit, but key players are generally Tony Stark, for a time Captain America, Reed Richards, Black Panther. I mean, they, they replace people here and there. Like, Xavier's on and then he's off. Beast takes like they, they, they kind of went, they decided to go, what we're going to do is we're going to take one person from each significant of the universe yeah, 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 yeah. So like here is here is the fantastic four member here is the magic member here is the inhumans member here is the avengers member here is the x-men member yeah, and then yeah. namor because he's the king of atlantis and then so yeah. when professor x dies in the comics they replace him with beast because yeah. he's the next smartest x-man when and they introduce black panther because obviously king of wakanda and namor and him have got like beef which we'll obviously get yeah. into in a couple episodes down the line <laughs> um, and, and when this Bolt, run when Black of... Bolt leaves, they do when Black Bolt leaves, they do Medusa as well, don't they, on the team? Yeah, for a little bit. Yeah, this run of New Avengers is what made me a huge Black Panther fan. Like the way he is written in this, I'm like, this guy's the biggest fucking badass in the world. Like, how have I been sleeping on Black Panther? Because my vision of Black Panther before that was the one that was in Fantastic Four, the one that has a cape. That's just kind of a like, okay, he's like a cat themed hero. And then, well, not a cat, but you know. And then, yeah, he's just a fucking badass, sort of like, will make very difficult decisions because he's a goddamn king of the dead hero. And yeah, I love it. But yeah, and like one of the first things they, you have this group, this new version of the Illuminati that spend two years basically trying to stop incursions from happening. And they do it however they can. And sometimes they have to destroy another universe. And like this, causes great moral outrage among them and yeah it's just this, this dope ass story that leads to secret wars and big big things and it's just this great book it got away from itself a little bit like sort of halfway through but the initial pitch is great and yeah they incorporate some of that into this movie yeah they kind of they change what it is where it's now like if you travel to another universe you are at risk of causing a I think, uh, incursion i think they're going for the like two versions of you can't exist in the same place kind of idea almost but yeah like, which is which is why america chavez is safe to travel across the multiverse because yes there is only one of her yeah and i mean you know maybe it's it's this sort of like self-fulfilling prophecy where like they tell our strange in this movie you being here is an enormous risk and by the end of it that world is doomed <laughs> so like maybe it's not a literal also, thing but yeah but then also the post credit scene is literally Ugh. His his wife in the comics showing up and saying you've caused an incursion. Where he's caused an incursion, I'm not 100 percent sure, but like you need to go potentially where he just that. was. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I guess we should get into it. Unless there's anything else you wanna you wanna talk about up front. No, I mean that, that's all the preamble I have. Is like yeah. I mean obviously the, the other interesting thing to say is that obviously Scott Derrickson didn't rest on his laurels when he when he left this movie. He's still an executive producer on this. We so probably got mm. paid quite a bit for for his involvement. I mean, he, he did goes like off... three years worth of dev work on it. I hope he got paid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then he went off to go do the Black Phone, which mm. um, obviously was like a a, a success, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 161 million dollars on a 60 million dollar budget. I'm sure he's perfectly happy with what he's doing. Uh, even though obviously this movie ends up making almost a billion dollars but I think that's always it's an interesting asterisk against this one because obviously this movie debuts the first footage for it in a post-credit scene on No Way Home so like the biggest movie of the pandemic opens with a post-credit tease of this movie promising multiversal madness they don't roll out X Xavier in that point do they like we Xavier is saved for the first full trailer oh was he in the trailer oh yeah I remember I was mad at them they they did it like there's no reason to do that Unless Which, they were worried about ticket sales, the most, but yeah. yeah, the most annoying thing about that tease though is that he is kind of the biggest get they got. 
Yes, true. Obviously, but... like there is well... obviously there is discussion around mm. Krasinski and around them getting Anson Mount back, but like. Mm. neither of them are the get that is here is Professor Xavier five years after his retirement from the role. Yeah, that's a fair point. And like, they, yeah. If they put yeah. like Captain Carter in the trailer and then surprised you with Xavier and like, you know, there were rumours, oh, is that Tom Cruise playing Iron Man? And it, it it's a black woman playing Captain Marvel. <laughs> There's lots of rumours about who was going to be in that scene and we'll yeah. get to it when we get to it. Yeah, but yeah. I think like debuting the trailer the way they did at the end of Spider-Man. They don't do a lot of that. Like, here's a trailer as a, as a credit. The last time, they did, last time they did that was at the end of Captain America the First Avenger. You yeah. got a trailer for the Avengers. And mm-hmm. so I think that sets a precedent for what this movie is going to be, and it makes it feel like it's going to be a lot bigger than it ended up being. And mm-hmm. so when... And the, the thing is, the thing we like about it is it is actually quite a contained character study of yes. this char- of the characters in this movie and plays them off in interesting ways and also kind of like concludes narrative strains from other movies, whereas mm-hmm. everyone else is watching this and then you get a trailer featuring Professor Xavier and they're just like, oh my God, who is going to be in this movie? Have they got Tom Cruise as, as Iron Man? Have they, who, which version of Mr. Fantastic is in this movie? Have they got Daniel Craig to play Boulder, who, who was originally like scheduled to be in this movie and stuff like that? Like, is Ryan Reynolds in this? Is Hugh Jackman in this, as you say? Mm-hmm. And then when it doesn't have that, and then people get really annoyed about the way that Wanda's portrayed, you end up with this movie exploding massively at the beginning and then tailing off yeah. hugely, hugely. Like, this movie... Yeah should have done a billion and it didn't almost yeah it's still the the second highest grossing movie in the mcu since the pandemic yeah yeah 955 so yeah 50 short of uh of the bill i understand but if like that's the direction you operate from then i don't i don't like you (laughs) like and i think marvel are partially (laughs) responsible for this because like we've talked about how their like post-credit scenes have changed from here's something that's coming very soon and here's a major plot element that even if this movie isn't getting a sequel soon this plot element will be picked up to here is a famous face here is a stunt casting here is something incredibly like nebulous that who knows when we'll pick back up on it that's the thing is, if, if Kevin Feige last year when he unveiled what Phase 5 and Phase 6 was going to be included Doctor Strange 3 in there, I would feel a lot more, like, satisfied with kind of what's going on. And yeah. of, like, them concluding plot strains that they've introduced so far in the MCU. But the fact there isn't a Shang-Chi or a Doctor Strange sequel and instead they're doubling down on the corner of the MCU that I think we're both the least interested in, which is that, like, Black Widow, Earth-based CIA shenanigans as kind yeah. of, like... Okay, cool. We've got Thunderbolts and we've got Captain America Thor coming up. Great, wonderful. Yeah, I love it. Love everything about it. Love notes. Love the people involved in it in terms of acting. I don't like that you're. This is the the narrative that you're forefronting when at the end of it you're saying that we're going to do Secret Wars. Anyway, but also does lead on to that idea that like the next movie that feels like is going to get that appropriation or like that that level of scrutiny is going to be Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. Mm-hmm. Which which by the time you hear this will have come out. Yes. But is obviously being built as like this is where the introduction of Kang is happening, and it feels like the trailers are building up in a very different style to the previous Ant Man movies, yeah. and it's just interesting to compare and contrast this movie and that, and whether or not people are going to go in, and it ends up being another Ant Man movie just with a darker villain performance at the center of it. And you got Peyton Reed saying this is an Avengers scale movie, which is very choice wording and could doom them to failure, um, but we shall yeah. see. So I don't want to go through the entire plot of the movie, but it does divide up into neat little chunks, kind of where, you know... I mean, right from the jump, we have 
a variant. You know, we have America and a different Doctor Strange running from a crazy Cthulhu monster, and, like, again, this is the stuff that people want to see from Strange. They want to see, like, gothic horror kind of stuff, and you've brought Raimi back, and, like, hey, here's some giant tentacle monsters, and they kind of look like shit. But still, it's closer to where I want to be. The thing is, yeah, the thing that really stood in stark contrast this movie is the trailer for avatar the way of water premiered at the front of this movie (laughs) and so you go from the trailer for that movie with like some of the best compositing effects that you're ever going to see in a movie where like the live action elements are blended seamlessly with the cgi elements and then you open this movie with something that i'm going to be uncharitable now because i don't think it looks this bad but looks like something that Robert Rodriguez was doing in the like Spy Kids and the Shark Shark Boy and Lava Girl movies. I think people did. I don't think you're the first person to say that it looks like Spy Kids. No, I'm definitely not. And I think people are saying that about Ant Man as well. Just something about the color palette and like the way they're portraying some of these new I, what quantum threats. The, it's the compositing more <laughs> yeah. than anything. I think if it looked more seamless that they existed in this world, and the color, the color palette for sure is also not helping because obviously Avatar looks real. Yeah. But we went from a trailer for Avatar into the opening scene of this movie, and I was like, oh no, you can tell which movie they spent a few years working on the special effects and and this one was they finished filming this in like march and they had to get it ready in two months and and that is the the issue with marvel at the moment and probably my biggest issue with this movie is how much of the movie feels you can remove one piece and then slot another piece and you don't really notice it and there are shots in the speech at the wedding where or the the, the talk that Bender Convention and Rachel McAdams have where you can tell it swaps into a green screen plate of the conversation that they were having before like but they yeah. couldn't go back to shoot it so they're just filling in some different dialogue to set up later plot points and yeah. Obviously, it helps, it facilitates writing, but it does lead to this. And it's the thing that James Gunn complained about in recent interviews about DC, where it's like, you come in to make these movies and you haven't actually finished what the plot is, and then you film a bunch of it, and then someone comes in and goes, like, mm, can we actually change this? Mm-hmm. And then you end up having to go back and reshoot the stuff that you've already shot, and you balloon the budgets up, and it's just, just make a movie you want to make. Be proud of your initial ideas. Hasn't he promised and... that under him they're not even going to start shooting until they've finalised scripts and stuff like that? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which, exactly. to normal obviously... people, just sounds like an obvious thing, but it's like, no, they have not been making movies this way for the last decade. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is what Michael Waldron... Michael Waldron comes in, they throw out the Derrickson script, and they write it from scratch. And obviously, what, Sam Raimi gets hired onto this movie in... Oh God, I'm trying to figure out when he like got. It was like 2020, wasn't it? Like he yeah. gets hired February 2020. Yeah, February, month February after 2020. steps down. Yeah, so just pre-pandemic. So obviously you get to do this stuff, but then they're shooting by like the end of 2020, I believe. And then yeah, they so they they he signs on in February. They rewrite the entire script. They film it in November of 2020, and then they are just they are literally filming little bits of this movie over and over again, right up until April of 2022. Like this movie has a fifteen-month production schedule. <laughs> yep, <laughs> and you you know there are hot rumors that like they got Krasinski like days before the movie came out and just replaced Ian Grifford, who is rumored to have, have filmed the scene as Reed Richards, who who played him in those two bad movies. Oh, that one bad movie and that one okay <laughs> movie. Yeah, and they're like, oh, here's Krasinski, and it's like he does kind of rarely appear next to everyone else <laughs> there's that one shot yes. which is so heavily green screened anyway what's the difference it's interesting that this movie has so much stacked against it and is made in the same way that a lot of these movies are and it still manages to pull through a satisfying character arc for both 
Stephen Strange and for Wanda Maximoff, I yes. think. That's the secret sauce. Like, I don't want big movies, kind of thing. When they're big, I still want them to be small in their way. Avengers yes. is a giant movie, which is actually just about these six, or well, kind of five, bubbling personalities, <laughs> kind of thing. Sorry, Clint. I don't want the end of Endgame, where it's 3,000 people on a green screen crater who are just smashing against each other like action figures. I personally don't want that. I get it. I get the appeal. I would have wanted it at one point in my life, but I want an Avengers movie where, like, Thor and Carol have many deep conversations and Black Panther and Captain America, you know, this is the stuff I wanted. I wanted a whole movie of these big characters, like, actually having scenes and acting together, but anyway. So we, we establish, you know, the monster that, like, Chavez is wanted by someone that Strange is willing to try and kill her to protect her power, doesn't manage it. And then, you know, we go to the the wedding, which is a... It just so feels like we have to in some way address the events of the first movie. <laughs> and, like, yes. Christine and and Stuhlberg's character, who I don't even remember his name. I Nicodemus mean, it, West. <laughs> Nicodemus West, of course. Like, you know, I'm not saying it's bad. I think Rachel McAdams and Benedict Cumberbatch are good actors and can work with bad material. It is very incelly of him to rock up to her fucking wedding and say, Hey, um, always loved you. Do you think on any level? No. So a definite no then. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and she obviously gives so apparently- it to him straight and yeah. good on her for doing it. <laughs> apparently Stuhlberg was supposed to film scenes in the 838 universe and they were going to use him like they use Samuel L. Jackson's character in... Jurassic Park, where like you find his arm, right? <laughs> or I think in this case it's going to be his head in an elevator after being killed by after being killed by Wanda. But like, I mean, Stuhlberg's busy. He's good in Bones and All, who, who also has like a one scene role in. I think he was filming The Staircase, presumably around the same time as well. And he's in and he's in Dope Sick as Richard Sackler. So like, yeah. he's off doing his own thing in TV, playing like his character actor thing. And I bet this um, paid as much as most of those. <laughs> Yes, it almost probably definitely did. <laughs> so I'm not going to feel too bad for him. But anyway, but then that like you know wings us right over to giant Cthulhu monster in New York, and like the creature looks shitty, but you immediately have the dividends of hiring Raimi because we have some good old school Spider-Man saving civilians shit that is just so mm-hmm. absent from most superhero movies. I'm not saying they never do it, but it's generally on a like a group of people are on a bus kind of thing. It's rarely yep. like, here's one person for you to care about for three seconds kind of thing. And he's immediately he all over that. Problem. Exactly. And Raimi's all over that. And, and I appreciate that about it. And it's like, oh, there are people in New York. You know, it's not just clearly a closed street in a soundstage. Like, there are people Even wandering Even if it is around. very obviously a closed street in, in of a soundstage. Of course, but he's giving it a go at making me believe for like 60 seconds that there are people in this world. That we're not walking yep. around from the corner of one set to another set that's in a different country, but we're pretending it's one street, yeah. you know. And, I mean, like, the scene ends with him, like, plucking the eye out of the monster, and there's, like, a satisfying, like, plop effect <laughs> that comes out. And, it's like, and, like, it's just fun. Like, Wong shows up. There's a little bit of banter between Strange and Wong, which feels, like, a lot better than the banter they've had previously. Obviously, Wong, the only other actor in this, who's kind of, like, got this wild amount of credits in the in the product where he's, like, in Wong fucking does. everything, and this is not even the last time we're going to discuss Wong this year. No. You know, Wong is technically the source of Supreme. Strange is like, yeah, whatever, that's a technicality. They have this whole thing about <laughs> bowing, which is paid off. It's nice. And then they have their chat with America, who... Little things like, oh, Doctor Strange doesn't speak Spanish. And Wong does, because Wong's a man of the world. 
And yeah, she she Spider Man just the, the just the web come out his butt. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly hope not. She's laying out the concept of the multiverse. They don't believe her. But then like because the creature used runes, they're like, oh witchcraft, which is different from sorcery. Promise. Let's go talk to Wanda. And I can't help but think back to the originally planned ending of WandaVision with Doctor Strange coming to talk to her at the end, which was cut, so that you can now just have her out in this orchard and him basically being like, I'm not here to talk about Westview. And it's like, clearly not. Clearly nobody wants to talk about Westview. And yeah, she outs herself as the villain after he's already given her all the information. And it's just, I'm so glad they got to it so quickly. You know, they didn't try and spend 40 minutes... masking her as like you know she goes with him and they spend like 20 minutes palling around and she, they show her around camotage and then she reveals herself but no we we go this way and she drops the illusion and the whole place is horrible and like yeah people immediately not a fan of wanda being evil but like <sighs> I, mean, I, un- I understand it on a level of it sucks that this movie's entire premise is she went so baby crazy she decided she was willing to kill <laughs> multiple universes i mean phrasing that it is, that way makes it more offensive but that is that true there is there is some sexist ass bullshit in the very roots of this character that they are yeah. pulling from in the way that like it's the same in the comics the yeah. fact that they did it here is is a little bit gross the issue is is that it is the only way that it makes sense for me for them to like the ending of WandaVision kind of boxed them into this. And yeah. I know people are saying that no, 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 she came around, she killed the kids, she let Vision go, she was she was reformed at the end of WandaVision. And mm. and obviously we had that big long discussion on the WandaVision episode where I was like, she kidnapped an entire town and then just pieced out and yep. didn't atone for any of that. Mm-hmm. And so either the role you have for next is her trying to atone for what she's done. Or you do this where she's gone full villain. And obviously they went for, she's gone full villain and she's looking after the kids. I'm like, this makes sense from where it was. Is it sexist retrograde bullshit? Yes. Does Elizabeth Olsen absolutely decimate this material in the entire movie? Yeah, she does. This is a better performance than she gave in WandaVision. She got wear so many hats in WandaVision, but like this feels more committed to to what that is. The fact that she went on like the entire press tour for this, seemingly going like, did I shoot that? I've got no idea what any of this is going on. Like just kind of going like, I don't give a shit. But she was just giving the performance of her life in this. A top level Marvel villain performance, you know, not to skip to the end of the podcast where we talk about villains, but like easily in the top five for me of villains that we've had. A horror movie Because monster. she's got setup. Yeah. She has setup. She has pathos. You understand where she's coming from, even yep. if like they maybe have skipped a couple of things or like gone down idiotic yeah. routes to kind of get them there. I understand why people don't like this thing, but I cannot picture another way they could have done it unless they had fully reformed her and had her atoning for it and i don't think there is room for her to atone for things in this movie she literally ended wandavision reading the book of evil to try and find her children and it it, you can very clearly read it as okay i'll give them up but i'm going to immediately start looking for them using the book of evil and as you say she never atones for what she did in the town i think we have a case of her telling herself that everything she's doing is justified but she never wasn't doing something wrong yep Again, my favourite part of of this movie is she is talked down. Nobody fights her to death. I mean, you know, they have a bit of a fight, but, like, what Strange is trying to say to her at the beginning is what ends up resolving at the end. It's just they are... It is is presented in a way where she can actually accept it this time, and then she talks herself down from it. 
And like, that's that's character, baby. Like, <laughs> come on. It's not quite as... They do still have a problem where like at a certain point Wanda can no longer be a character and must simply be a monster. But like, for a while, and it's something I was texting you about with Harder They Fall when I was watching it, I was like, boy, isn't it satisfying when you spend equal time with the heroes and the villains? Because <laughs> then you give a shit when they meet in the middle. And for a bit, they're kind of doing that with Wanda. Like, we are cutting to her and seeing her go through emotional moments and talking out what she's doing and everything. And it's like, this is good. No longer is the villain just a CGI creature that I don't give a shit about that will pop up once every 40 minutes. Like, they they invest time in Wanda and it makes it all more satisfying. Um, Her assault on Kamataj fucking rules. You know, they raise all of their defences and she just fucking crushes them. Always a sucker for kind of creative portrayals of powers. Like, her seeking a mind to influence and then finding the one guy who's a little bit weak-willed and whispering in his ear. So, Uh, do you want my hot take on this? What? Go on. So we've obviously had a lot of interpretations of the Mirror Dimension with, like, Scott (laughs) Scott Derrickson and uh, In No Way Home as well. This is so much better than what any of them have come up with before now. They're all a bit, like, very clean and composed and in this it's like this dark drab like prison type place and then she immediately breaks out and comes out of the mirror looking like a fucking zombie and like distorted and cracking her bones back into place because she's had to like squeeze through this tiny hole and i understand people were worried that when scott derrickson got let go that we weren't going to get a horror movie like he promised when he said uh what we were going to get and then Sam Raimi came in, and it was kind of like 50-50. Is he going to do more horror-enthused, or is he going to do more of his like Spider-Man thing, which is pockets of horror, but definitely not as much as he used to do? And I, this is pretty cleanly like the the most horror-enthused MCU movie that we've had, and and probably will have going forward. I think it's more horror-enthused than Werewolf by Night is, in all honesty, um, just in terms of style and the fact that it is by a horror great doing his thing. Yeah. I just love, they just throw a series of puzzles in front of her and, her, and she solves them. Like, this isn't strange trying to throw a bigger, yes. brighter ball of energy at her. He's like, I will trap her somewhere I know she can escape from, and that will buy us some time. And, like, her using the puddles to try and get in, you know, and then, like, crawling through like a goddamn banshee. And, and yeah, all of it rules her just sort of, like... It's rarely brute force. It's often, like, a creative trap and a creative escape. I, I just think it fucking rules. Um, yeah, I mean, and obviously, like, it's, it's edited by Bob Morawski, who is, like, a long-term Sam Raimi editor. Like, he, he worked on Darkman and Army of Darkness mm-hmm. and all the Spider-Man movies, so he's back on this. And obviously, you get a lot of Raimiisms. And obviously, like, the one that got brought up on Twitter is the the explanation of... Was it is dreamwalking, isn't it? Like that the explanation of that with like <laughs> I love it personally. Yeah, some like crossfades and all the rest of it, and yeah. people going like the fuck is this? This is a little like any Marvel movie. It's like, right, that's what we want. I don't yeah. want Marvel movies to look clean and sterile and exactly like each other. And again, like the things I like in this movie are the bits that feel more indebted to Marvel's house style. Like when and, Raimi gets to go go wild, this movie's singing. And Raimi is a guy that sat out of the like fast steady cam quick cut revolution like he he sat all of that out so none of that has poisoned his style at all so he he's not interested in that you get longer shots and you get what films used to look like and another like long-term raimiism danny elfman's doing the music here yeah and, and the music in the dreamwalking sequences with this sort of like quasi psychedelic 
we're dreamwalking, man. Like it rules. <laughs> it does. I mean, the, the I mean, skipping ahead a long way. The music fight in this is mm. like oh. genuinely Elfman going buck wild and yeah. and doing his thing in this. Like it's it's just fun yeah. and and a little bit scary and and yeah. so much of it is just confidence. I think when you keep on hiring directors who are on their first or second movie, you kind of miss this steady hand. And we came out of this movie and Fuggy was going like, I probably should hire more directors who've got longer track records than I have mm. been doing. The fact that he came out like that, that was his revelation is like, let's no longer, or let, let's not gravitate towards directors with kind of like three or four credits. Let's go to someone who could do something big. And then you hear that. And then the, yes, the Fantastic Four is going to be directed by Matt Shackman. It's like, okay, this isn't what anyone wanted. Like, I was more excited when like you were apparently talking to Spielberg to I do know. Fantastic Four. What a downgrade. <laughs> Over the course of two weeks, I think it might be Spielberg to its match up. Like, uh, oh, all right. You never know with all of this stuff. Like, you know, he comes out of Eternals being like, whoa, and this was shot in a real place. And then they're, they're not changing anything. They're still doing green screen. Like, I don't know how yes. much he wants to do different things and he just isn't allowed and how much it's just like he actually likes making this the most efficient production process in the world and everything is in Atlanta and London and completely controlled and green screened and changeable later and all that. He may like all of that. Yeah. But yeah, then then the scene in, in Kamataj ends, uh Chavez's powers go off and they send her and Strange into the Earth eight three eight and Wanda is left. Do you have a favourite to... alternate universe visual style that they fall through? Um I like the paint one. I like the I like the animation one just before that. Yeah, the rotoscope one, which yes. they call the comic universe. I was looking up some of the ones that they were on there, and I'm like, I, I kind of wish some of them were a little bit more visually distinct and a little less yeah. kind of quick cutty. I understand why they've done it that way, but it's like it's my biggest bugbug with the movie is like, I wish we went to like one more universe. Mm. I I want a little bit more, and obviously the movie settles into like we are just now in cutting between eight three eight and six one six now for the rest of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, eight three eight is also just kind of like. 616 with a paint job on it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, like, a different team of Avengers who are the Illuminati, which obviously is, like, yeah. the, the centrepiece of this movie. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's some fun elements. Like, there's the bit where it's, like, oh, walking is on red, not on green, which, like, throws Doctor Strange off and, yeah. and Chavez kind of going, like, food's free in most universes and then getting told <laughs> off by, by Pizza Papa. Yes. I did not in any way get any enjoyment out of this Bruce Campbell cameo. I know some people like it, but... And I like him in the Spider-Man, but this was, this felt like an imitation of, it felt like Marvel trying to get in on a joke kind of thing. I think mean, you almost wish that you'd just done Bruce as a member of the Illuminati. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're going to do his cameo, like, don't stunt, like, that is a stunt cast. It might not be a stunt cast that everyone knows, but, like, who the fuck knows who Anson Mount is? Apparently, so many people, and actually in humans is good, and he should be in movies now as Black Bolt. <laughs> fuck off. Go fuck yourself. So yeah, they're having their fun little multiversal adventure, they're, they're bonding a little bit, and he learns her backstory, she learns about what happened with Christine. We get the, the sit-down at the restaurant, and her giving him the watch that is like this huge plot point and the stuff that is retroactively justifying what if that I hate um, but it's good <laughs> and meanwhile Wanda is you know she's not just gonna accept that they're gone she grabs Wong <laughs> she tortures him and then is like I will kill everyone at Tamataj unless you tell me 
what I want to know, and then he reveals some deep cut Marvel. Well, it's not that deep cut, but you know, it's, it's not exactly movie friendly. Mount Wondergar, the <laughs> birthplace of the Maximoff twins. No human cow midwife present in the movie, but <laughs> hey. Mount Wondergar, they are saying, is where the first demon, Cthon, his spells were transcribed onto the walls, and then later the walls were written down into a book, and that is the Darkhold. So. They can't portal to it, they can portal to near it, and then she flies them. And there are demon guardians that don't kill them because, oh hey, Wanda's on the walls, she is the chosen <laughs> one. Yes, and... it's it's so funny to me that, like, when they unveil... So this is this is some inside baseball stuff here. So when they unveil the pop vinyl, obviously they could, didn't have anything spoilerific in there, but they were trying to fill out, like, they've got to have, like, eight pop vinyl for the characters. Yes. And so you go, like, right, so that's... So it's strange, it's Wong, it's Wanda, it's Christine. Zombie strange, probably. It's like America Chavez and stuff like that. So like like all all logical, it's like so you get to six and they go like, um, so the woman who stabs the dark cold is a pop vinyl. <laughs> sure, sure. Wong and the quasi girlfriend. Yeah. The cowman is also a, a pop vinyl, the the uh, Minotaur. Oh yeah, so we do have some and... cow representation in the movie. <laughs> So, so obviously, when the movie comes out and both of them are like complete nothing roles with no impact on the plot whatsoever, you have this weird thing where like just store shelves are full of these pop vinyl because it's like mm. I'm not buying the ones that are the main characters. Why are you trying to sell me these characters? Uh, yeah, I guess I skipped over her big moment as she destroys the Darkhold, and that's why they have to go to Wondergo because she tries dreamwalking and she briefly inhabits a version of herself but then she is ripped out of it because they destroy the Darkhold. And I think all the stuff where she dreamwalks into quiet suburban mom, Wanda, with her kids, I think it's all really good. The We Like Ice Cream it's song, really creepy well. as shit. Um, <laughs> that's a horror movie guy shooting kids, you know? It's gonna go how it's gonna go. But yeah, no, all shot yeah, really and, well, and we, all, all well done. Yeah, all, all the stuff with Wanda possessing Earth 838 Wanda is really really good yeah. so obviously we're now kind of up to strange has met 838 christine he's met 838 mordo and they're just like mm, well, we don't uh, touch doctor we don't trust doctor strange yes i mean all. you know they briefly meet a good version of mordo who then just immediately drugs their tea and takes them to the illuminati <laughs> well he's a member of the illuminati he is a member it's yes. just like it's just like our doctor strange went insane crossing universes and caused an incursion and so we had to murder him yeah. Is is the ultimate revelation. So even though this universe has been withholding Doctor Strange as like a great hero who died saving the universe from Thanos, in reality he'd been corrupted by the Dark Hold and was yeah. dreamwalking and, and destroying the multiverse. Did they use the Book and of so Ashanti that... to beat Thanos? I think Thanks. they did. And he used the Dark Hold to get the Book of Ashanti, I think is mm. the idea. Because the Book of Ashanti is our MacGuffin that gives you anything you want, and it kind of doesn't actually come to anything in the movie, but still. So he, he is presented as the hero of the world. He is secretly history's greatest monster, and they had to execute him by Black Bolt saying, I'm sorry to him, um, and demonstrating Black Bolt's whole gimmick in 10 seconds. And I yes. believe the whole of that show, he is depowered, or must much of it. Yeah, I mean, there is the shot in the early on where he murders his parents. Like, there is a shot of him, like, yelling out as a teenager and, like, splashing them against a wall. So they do get to show what his power is, but obviously he's not as powerful as he's here. And yet, so, like, two things about this scene before we, like, cut on. One is the revelation that Kevin Feige has decided that 616 is the designation for the MCU universe. Not according Um, to a Marvel. Yeah, Iman Vellani is, like, no. She's right. It is, she is correct. 
the Marvel Wikia is like, no, that's an in-universe designation. The MCU is like universe 199999999, something like that. 616 is the comic universe. It will always be the comic universe. Also, the, the Earth designations come directly from the Captain Britain Corps, not from Christine Palmer of Earth 838. We can't get into the Captain Britain Corps at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> Why she would decide that her universe is 838 and another universe is 616, I don't know. It makes more sense in Captain Britain where it is just a random universe, but when this is when you're the person designating the names, why would you call it 838? I I don't know. Go Futurama rules. We're universe 1 and you're universe A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we get to meet the Illuminati, who is made up of... <laughs> Actors who are obviously more available, although I will say, Lashana Lynch had a very busy 2022, because she's in this. She obviously had no time to die the year before. She's also in The Woman King, and she's in Matilda the Musical. Me saying that, like, oh, people who are obviously around, like, mm. still relatively busy. But yeah, it's it's made up of Hayley Atwell reprising her role from What If as Peggy Carter, mm. uh, or Captain Carter. Whether or not it's the same Captain Carter, not 100% sure. Lashana Lynch as an alternate universe Maria Rambo who became Captain Marvel. Yep. Anson Mount as Black Bolt. Yep. Almost definitely not the same one from the from the Inhumans TV series. John Krasinski making a debut as Reed Richards. Yep. Previously played by Miles Teller and Ian Gruffith. And then Patrick Stewart as as Charles Xavier, which is the one where most people are kind of like, is this the '97 cartoon universe? <laughs> is I think what some people have argued that Earth 838 is. Why are people so determined to do that? What does that change if they, they just tell you the, afterwards? X Men. I know they do, but if they tell you afterwards, yes, everything that happened in the cartoon is canon in 838. What does that do? Nothing. <laughs> It was the culmination of kind of like the three things of like, well, is Xavier, he's in the yellow wheelchair, they played the 97 theme sting, and Kevin Feige came out on the stage and said that they're doing an X-Men 97 revival show. I know, but like, <laughs> you can do cute nods without it being like, yes, 100% canon. I mean, that's the thing, it's like, when they repeat the 97 sting in Miss Marvel, spoilers for Miss Marvel, mm. it becomes very obvious that it's just because they never made like a proper theme for the X-Men. No. In in the Fox movies, and so they're like, well, what is the most iconic piece of X Men music? And it's like, it's the fucking ninety seven cartoon theme, or the ninety, whatever year it came out. Is it ninety three or is it ninety seven? I actually forget. They call it ninety seven, but it didn't start in ninety seven. It started in 93, didn't it? Yeah. And then, because it's like, in the because they basically, like, they take the suits from the Jim Lee reboot of X-Men and, like, just transplant them onto TV show, and that's, like, 91. Mm-hmm. And they became, like, that is how people think of the X-Men. And so when the movie comes out and they're all wearing, like, black leather, everyone's like, no, they wear blue and... Blue and yellow, baby. I it's was... a fine group for the Illuminati. Like, I, I understand why people were, like, let down by it. Mm. I think it immediately proves that what if doesn't mean shit. Yes. People were adamant, right? Hayley Atwell, Captain Carter, that's going to be everywhere. We're going to get a Captain Carter movie. We're going to get Captain Carter comics. I think we did get a mini of Captain Carter and nobody bought it. And she appears in this and nobody said shit. And she's not even bad in it. We love Hayley Atwell on this podcast. She's on the all Marvel list. I like that she has a jetpack. That's goofy and fun. But it doesn't mean shit. Like, no hype whatsoever for Captain Carter. Um, she gets cut in half by her own shield. She does. She does. Lashana Lynch is the victim of being a non-main character in a movie. It's cool they let her be Captain Marvel, but like, I would bet a significant bunch of people didn't even pick up on that she is in Captain Marvel as her just good friend. Yes. And I mean, that she I mean, is... I mean, Tiana Paris's uh, character's mum. All of that is probably yes. washing over people's heads. Also, like she gets like the worst death out of all of them. Yeah. In reality, like that's she the thing. Like, the I think ev- 
she lasts longest, but I think every other character has like a fun. Yeah. Like this feels like so obviously like yeah. So so jumping ahead, Wanda breaks into the the Illuminati sanctum. That's so and cocky about it as well. They're like, oh, we can handle Wanda. We've got we've, Ultron we've killed Thanos. We've killed Thanos. We've done this. Blah 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 blah. Like we've we've dealt with universe-ending things. It's like yeah, but like <laughs> Wanda is the most powerful being in existence. Yes. Is kind of where they're leaning with this at this point. And yeah, all the deaths are brutal and i mean obviously black bolt's death is (laughs) seared into my brain um does the matrix thing how will you speak if (laughs) how will you tell people if you don't have the means to speak you know what mouth gives himself a little brain explosion by talking inside his own head Um, the fact that she can do that does raise questions about how she can't just make the whole building disappear and (laughs) america just she makes she makes the most powerful layer of skin in the universe where yes. like his voice powers like immediately reverberate back against his skin yes. into his brain and then cause his brain to collapse in on itself yes it's pretty sick brutal <laughs> turns Reed Richards into silly string which is kind of like I feel like that's them finally giving back to like the what Thanos does in Infinity War because obviously in yes. Infinity War they have a little bit of it from the comics where yeah. he does what he does to like Drax, uh, to, to Mantis, Drax. Oh, Mantis. Yeah, and then in this, it's like, oh no, no, we're gonna do like the reality altering powers that Thanos should have had for quite a bit of of Infinity War, and like she, yeah, makes him silly string, and then his head pops off, and then cuts Peggy Carter in half, and then Maria Rambo just gets like crushed by a statue, and it's like, yeah. surely she's powered by an Infinity Stone in this universe? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think that would kill her. No, nope, like, I don't think that would kill Carol. <laughs> And then Xavier is, like, staying behind. He believes in Strange. He believes in rehabilitation. Xavier's a nice man. Not canon to the comics. Horrible man in the comics. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And he does the logical thing of reaching into her mind and trying to find the suppressed 838 Wanda. And is like, oh, if I can rescue you. And then Wanda appears as a puff of smoke and snaps his neck. (laughs) It's kind of cool. The Marvel stuff of them setting up the Illuminati, mm. I'm just like, I'm so bored of, like, this isn't big enough, this isn't hype enough. It's a fun idea, but I'm definitely mm. not getting, like, this just feels like an obligation to do this. I'd much rather you do th- something weirder or have, like, new actors play a lot of these roles. And yeah. even then, I think Krasinski is, like, not I, someone I'm hyped to see. I as, mean, it was a long-time fan cast desire was Reed Richards. Yes. It was him playing Reed Richards and Emily Blunt playing Sue Storm. People like the cutesy they're married in real life thing she has been like staunchly i don't give i do not want to do marvel <laughs> after they've circled her for like a million roles at this point he does it i feel consensus is he's bad i think he's fine i, I would be fine with him playing reed richards i think currently dev patel is rumored and i'm all about that yeah um, dev patel is like my lead like him to play reed and him to play bond are my two like top <laughs> of my list things that i think he should do because i think he's just yeah. so charismatic and the fact that he could play both of them i think speaks volumes about like yeah. where he's at as an actor at this yeah. point people um, have suggested um chidi from the good place for reed richards as well i, I think that's another bit too old and in yeah. ant-man unless they're going to turn around and say that he's in ant-man but then that flies in the face of them saying that they want the director of Fantastic Four to pick the Fantastic Four, so okay. we'll see where it goes. I just, I, I don't know. What I think it is people are basically I... saying that Krasinski is not believable as the smartest person in the world, which is a just really powerful diss. Yes, because it... I mean, like, yeah, he plays Jim, who is kind of. There are many jokes about he's not the manliest man, you know, but like. 
John Krasinski is like a six foot three guy that grew up playing college sports and is like besties with like George Clooney and Matt Damon and people. And like this, this guy is a jock. Let's be honest; he cannot pull off. Well, I mean, it doesn't help that obviously he loses out on the role of Captain America. Yes, and I feel like he lets that get to his head, and so he ends up with like this run of all the movie he does after he leaves the office are all like big action things like it's like I'm, a CIA I'm gonna man. do <laughs> I'm a CIA man I'm gonna do the quiet place here's me in in 13 hours the secret soldiers of the Benghazi and all the rest and it's like come on dude like you are you are rebelling a little bit too hard away from from Jim from the office yeah but I do think it, it is all because like he he let not getting Captain America get to him because it was yeah. like I think he he was the favorite and he was going to get off of the role and they went back for one more Hail Mary pass at Chris Evans who mm. had like kept on saying no 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 I'm not interested I'm not interested I and do really canceled. hope that they get Chris Evans to play Johnny in if they do secret, if they go as bombastic with Secret Wars as like getting all these past actors back, I would like to see him play Johnny in that. But yes, anyway, I will forever want the Illuminati. I know who you know these universe-ending like <laughs> guys, and and I understand why they did it, how they did it, but yeah, they they basically amount to who are some fun action figures she can break. Yes. I don't think they're quite fun enough, unfortunately. The breaking of them is, is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it's all an obstacle. You know, Strange manages to escape. Has a shockingly well done one-on-one hand-to-hand fight with Mordo. By Marvel standards. Yes. It's not John Wick, but, you know, given how bad Marvel are at just straight-up fights, I was like, oh, okay. The magic people are going to do some martial arts. Gotcha. Escapes. Christine Palmer believes his story eventually... They narrowly stop Wanda from getting America again. They, he has a secret, or he, this universe is strange, had a secret pocket to to get the Book of Ashanti. They go to get it. Wanda gets America. Do they get the Book of Ashanti? Uh, Does anybody? Well, she, like, she, I think they just leave. No, don't they destroy the Book of Ashanti? Potentially. The Book of Ashanti gets destroyed, and then, yeah, she like takes America Chavez's powers, goes to goes to 616 with Chavez, and kicks Strange and Christine into a universe that has collapsed in on itself, yes. essentially. And my favourite part about this scene, 838 Wanda <laughs> snapped out of it, covered in blood, having done many murders, <laughs> and I was like, what the shit? And flies out, and is like, my children... I love 838 Wanda. So yeah, Christine and, and Strange are stranded in a universe with a like evil Strange, quote-unquote. And, they... and I mean, this is this is what I really like about this movie, because this is where they go into, like, they actually pay off Strange and Christine and have them mm-hmm. have, like, heart-to-heart conversations and start working through this their This is your what-if Strange, like... And, and yeah, her What's noticing the, the difference in how he... Something as small as he genuinely cares about America and she finds that shocking, and, like, America begins to find it shocking as well. And I think we all find it a bit shocking because he doesn't seem the most touchy-feely person, but he is genuinely invested in the well-being of this child. Yeah, and it's just all these little things. And like, I remember when the trailers came out and everyone was going, like, oh my god, is that what if strange? Is that what if strange? Are we are we going into the universe where he's like, protect from the rest of the universe? Yeah. yeah, and it's like, nope. It's just a different one that went insane. Yep. Like That seems to be the, the legacy of all strangers is to at some point go insane, but this yep. Doctor Strange is like so fully corrupted by the dark cold that he's like, yeah, I dream walk into other universes and murder Doctor Strangers. Like, you ever have that dream where you're falling <laughs> off a building? That was probably me. Oh, and they, they do drop this piece of knowledge that every that dreams are you experiencing a multiversal version of yourself and America doesn't dream. Wanda dreams of her children exclusively, so she has them in every universe except 
this one, <laughs> which is kind of fucked up. All these, like, there's so many ideas in this movie that even yeah. when they kind of, like, stop to do something that I'm not super enthused by, they double down onto, like, a character thing or that yeah. there's a fun little moment. Like, I mean, again, we've discussed the music fight already this episode. I love it. Music fight fucking rules. Yeah. And then it immediately follows up with, like, Doctor Strange kills this, like, evil Doctor Strange by, like, impaling him on some railings, takes the dark hold and starts to dream walk back into 616. And you're like, but there's no Doctor Strange in 616. No, he's going to inhabit the corpse of the Defender Strange from the beginning of the movie who is going yeah. to be like a proper fucking zombie and yep. travel to to Mount Wondergore and then take control of like the spirits of the damned turn, turn them into, them into cape and wings and fly yeah. and fly and then chuck and them like, wonder. why is this movie going so hard at this point this it's fucking so rules like yeah. you got Christine like defending his body and, and it's like that stuff's fine but yeah like strange like warping these you shouldn't desecrate a corpse spirits <laughs> into into his costume and then a weapon and then Wanda just rips them apart it rules Wong has been like thrown to his death and survived and you know is back and yeah, it, it's what I said before is they try and just fight her and they obviously can't. But instead, America like gains hold of her powers after a pep talk, tries to fight her a bit, but then instead show, takes her to a universe with her children. I guess it's another universe. Um, no, she takes her to she takes her to eight. Is it back to eight three eight? Like, okay. It's back to eight three eight because like the kids are so freaked out by her arriving, okay, yeah. and then Wanda comes down the stairs and it's just like you get the fuck away from yeah, them yeah, after yeah. what you've done to me. And like see, like instead of Strange saying it, her seeing it makes her get it. Of like her children are afraid of her. They have a mother who loves them. Like in every other universe, they are loved and cared for. And you are being selfish, and you are taking away. You know, you can't just abduct these kids and they're just going to love you again like like you're their actual mum. And she backs down. And it's great. Yeah, it's, it's entirely based on emotion and yes. character development. And it isn't them fighting giant fucking lasers in the sky or, like, yeah. firing runes and stuff like that. It is... And they I do that yeah, to get I... rid of the statue golems, and that's all fine. But then you get into the heart of it, and that's that's what makes it work. And it's similar to like the other movie we're going to discuss this year that also ends with like, yes, there's a fight, but it's a fight between two people that is like debating the the morals and the yeah. ethics of kind of like their societies. Yes, exactly. Stranger and Christine get their tearful goodbye, and I love you in every universe, and. Yeah, no, she's like, well, I could love I mean, this version exactly. of you, but, you know. Thank you, Rachel McAdams, for, yes. for coming in and, and being charismatic, even if you didn't get much to do. Yeah. Like, hopefully, maybe this is your last time here, and I've got a paycheck for it. she doesn't appear again, and this was just an apology for the first film, because, like, you know, she's a, she's a leading scientist, she does big things, she invented great stuff, she named the universes, and it's a bigger role than she got it last It is, time. even if it's in... It's it's kind of like if you imagine like the first movie, she's kind of like shoved to the sides until the very end, until out the uh, she shoved to the sides after the beginning of the movie and kind of gets to do a little bit in the hospital in the middle. Whereas this is the inverse, where it's like doesn't get much to do at the beginning and then it's like all over the final, the second half of the movie. Yeah. Like she did voice her in What If, so who knows I assume what, they did what... that while filming this or something. I don't know, but because they got strange, they got Benedict to do three episodes. <laughs> I love Evil Strange spotting her out the window. It's a nice yeah. moment. 
But yeah, um, you know, they all go back to where they're from. America has left at Kamataj to train. Strange bows to Wong, finally. And then he's just walking down the street in his jaunty little scarf. And, oh, boom, you have a third eye now. Because you used the dark cold and desecrated a corpse, I guess. Um, so, multiple questions from this. Why doesn't Wanda get a, a third eye? Why is it only the strangers that get a third eye? It or could it literally be the corpse stuff. I don't know. Okay, so, like, because... Because that Doctor Strange had like commit suicide as a Doctor Strange, like know. jumped off a building. Because obviously he's dreamwalked into someone, jumped off a building. Himself, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But because he's dreamwalking, he's t- maintained control of the corpse, and then got like, "Cool, I'm done now." Or she's just so much more powerful, so she's immune to the after effects. Or she was gonna get one eventually when she stopped, but she never. Well, so, so this is this is the other thing, which is so this this mid credits and end credits and all the rest of it is the the worst example yes. of the kind of bullshit that Marvel is doing. Yes. Because number one is the movie ends on a beat of Doctor Strange developing a third eye, and you kind of go like, "Ooh, what does this mean? What is this teasing for your next movie?" Cut the him walking down the same, like almost the same street. In a yes. slightly different outfit, again, happy, no after effects of third eye. I was like, oh, odd. It happens a lot at the moment, where like they do a post-credit scene, and then the next post-credit scene immediately undercuts what the previous yeah. credit scene was. And I feel like and there's then... just a rule of you don't cut from one character to the same character, or like, <laughs> you know, this is just basic <laughs> editing. Yeah, and then Charlize Theron shows up, and mm-hmm. is clear, to say come with me, a universe is like having an incursion, or like you've caused an incursion, you need to come save it. He then turns his scarf into the cape, and then opens his third eye, and you're like, wait, what? Why is the third eye now not a negative thing? Why was Mm -hmm. it causing you pain, and now it's like somehow a benefit to you to have it? I don't understand. And again, like, Charlize Theron showing up in a Marvel movie, fine. I feel like it's undercut by the fact that Charlize Theron will seemingly do any franchise work at this point. The fact yep. that she is the the lead villain of like the final stretch of the Fantastic Four, uh, Fantastic Four, the Fast and Furious movies is is a little odd. She's obviously got Old Guard as like her franchise that she's doing at a mo- at the moment. It's weird, but then it's also like it's the first time in a while that I've had to explain to friends who a character is and then not kind of go but don't worry it's going to pay off in like this this and this like when Thanos shows up at the end of Avengers I can go but don't worry we've already met some Infinity Stones so therefore there's probably going to be a story that's going to lead to this like I can chart what that is I don't know what you're doing with Clea obviously you're setting up Secret Wars but like Clea isn't in Secret Wars in the comics so it's just you've just cast an actress and are kind of going like look look at this actress and then I spoke to people and were like you realise that was Charlie Theron, right? It was like, that was Charlie Theron. Like, I, I blanked. I, in the moment, I was like, who is this? I was like, I knew it was clear. That's fucked up that I recognise Claire over <laughs> Charlie Theron. <laughs> Isn't she like Dormammu's daughter? I, uh, and there's word that I, Dormammu's I, coming back for the third one. Maybe, yeah, you know. I mean, I, it, that's the thing is, it's just, it's so odd yeah, as like just odd. a choice. The one two punch like, of that and Eternals ending with Harry Styles. I'm like, what are we doing anymore? Like, <laughs> yeah. You've stunt cast someone, but you haven't stunt cast someone with a plan. It's like, yeah, yeah we've signed them up to a five movie deal and at some point we'll get to them. But because we're doing three movies a year at the moment, we can't do the like properly like tail out and like you know that they're going to show up in a, in a yeah. project down the line. It's like, and we're right, going to do it but... again in two episodes' time. The next movie yep. they release does the exact same thing. Yep. And they are deeply committed to doing it now. Black Panther doesn't do it. I genuinely forgot who it was in Thor, and I had to look up who it was, and I went like, oh, of course it was. Yeah. It is frustrating at this point, where it's just like, cool, I like the actor that you've got to do this. I would like to be excited for them appearing in a project. No. 
Give me a plot what point. project are they appearing? <laughs> yeah. Give me a plot point. And like, you know, if all this incursion stuff does culminate in Secret Wars and Doom, and I think they're just going to give Doom's role to Kang, but still cool, but I don't know how you go from it just and also there's just so much strangeness going on with you know, pun intended. We have Loki's explanation of stuff with like timelines and variants, and then we have the multiverse, and like I feel there's a third thing, and there's zero explanation of if these are the same thing, if a universe is also a timeline, or if every universe contains timelines. <laughs> and like there's no yep. coherence going on here with what they're going with. I would prefer they went with universes and incursions and stuff like that than timelines and variants, personally, but like it's being written by the same dude. <laughs> like, yep. I'm sure there's a plan in the background, but they're not making it clear yeah, to maybe, maybe. to many of us. That's strange. Like, yeah, there are some little niggly things that I don't like, but overall, like, it's the stuff we set up front. It's it, it's stylish. Like, Raimi is being Raimi. There is an emotional through line for Strange, for Christine, for America, for Wanda. Wong is actually. I think this is my favourite Wong person. <laughs> I know mean, I mean, he kind I, of spends I, it getting I, I tortured, see. but. I love seeing Benedict Wong. He's yeah. just a fun presence in a lot of things. I'm I'm excited. I mean, obviously there's rumblings that they're going to do a Wong spin-off <sighs> set in Camelotage, presumably with Chavez as like a supporting character. And I'm like, mm. okay. No. Wong's paid his dues. He's paid his dues more than Catherine Hahn has. <laughs> you don't need to do this. I don't need two shows about magic and then also a show about Wakanda. Like, yeah. I, I understand why you're doing it because these are pockets of the universe that like probably deserve fleshing out, and the actors in them have have again paid their dues. But like, um... it's too much. And unless you're going to make it like a proper fucking TV show and not tease some future Marvel project, like if you said to me that you were just going to do a magic show that wasn't going to tie into any other MCU stuff and was just going to be like a fun, self-contained thing, then maybe I'd be more forgiving. Like do the thing where we say like, don't don't even acknowledge it's a superhero thing, but yeah. like they're not going to be able to do that. No. So that's the movie. We talked about the villains. For me, yeah, top five villain performance ever she's great i mean that's the thing is i think i think immediately we go she's replacing in all marvel she's replacing yeah. herself in wandavision yeah i think at one WandaVision point i found it a debate but like, i've seen this movie three times now and like yeah she fucking rules in this movie <laughs> yeah she's she's going deeper i think she's really it's up for debate whether or not you think the like what is grief if not love persisting yeah and obviously like she's good a lot in wandavision but like i feel like this She's. I mean, again, it's it's a range thing versus a singular performance. I, it's yeah, I have like an instinct to reward people that do multiple facet. Like you know, she is at times being a slapstick vaudeville character, and at times being a sitcom mom at different ages. But there is a. It's like Loki and Loki versus Loki in the Avengers. There's like a singularity and and deeply refined take um, that I respect. And yeah, she replaces herself. We have a pick free last week from Moon Knight. I don't want to give it to Benedict Cumberbatch. I think he's doing good work in everything he's in. Like he has a baseline he is, level of quality, but like he is he's... completely hamstrung by his accent work. Like <laughs> yes. that is that is his it, that is his issue in all of these things. Whenever he does an American accent, it feels like he's trying too hard. He's and reaching only for the words. Yeah. yeah, and the only performance I've seen him in where he it doesn't feel like that is power of the dog and that's because it's kind of part of the character where like the character is repressed and so therefore the american put on accent feels more at home in the character mm-hmm. and and that's the kind of the core difference is like it feels fake here yeah in power of the dog it feels like 
part of the character. Yeah. And so I agree. My my joke pick is to say we need to put Michael Stuhlbarg's agent on the all Marvel list. It's not acting though, is it? Well, then we put Michael Stuhlbarg on, and then okay. we get people get looking very confused why we put Michael Stuhlbarg on. For we do Marvel. it, but he gets we do the list, and then it's and Michael Stuhlbarg. <laughs> 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 So I think we've got two picks to play with for future stuff. I think that's going to come in handy. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's a great movie. Um, wish that it was Hey Marvel are back, baby. Unfortunately, it turns out that's not the case. But We're going We're going from this, where we're, we're really positive, to probably the best pilot episode of any Marvel show. Yes. Like, like yeah, there was it, reason to there was, there was reason in this kind of like May to July window mm-hmm. before Thor came out that like oh have they are we over the hump have they adjusted, are we like have they are they back yeah 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 and that was because next week we are talking Miss Marvel I'm looking forward to that I may even rewatch it all I don't know I haven't generally been rewatching the shows because you know I reviewed them all so I've seen them all twice and like. I know what I think, but maybe I'll put it on because it's a fun show. Some stuff in the middle that we will have to talk about, but generally fun. I mean, the thing is, it's the thing we've discussed a lot, and what will come up a lot next week is it feels like they smush two seasons of TV together, and yes. one of those seasons is great, and one of them is less good, yes. but it, it comes through in the end to be a, a really satisfying season of television, and the, and and why there was a, a moment in Moonlight where I was like, oh, are we cancelling the podcast? Are we done <laughs> with Phase 4? Then getting to see Strange and Miss Marvel, I was like, no, I, I'm still positive about this stuff. Yeah. I'm still positive, like when they actually do something, and and it's really put into contrast for me because like Black Panther has just released on Disney Plus, and of mm-hmm. course we're getting the inevitable backlash behind like it looks terrible. Look at all this. I'm like, no, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever did not deserve like a cinematography Oscar nomination like Black Panther one got, but like. If we're going to discuss how bad Marvel is with special effects, then we need to discuss that on every fucking movie that they do at this point yes. because they're just overworking these these people. But like the movies that are working are the ones where someone is coming in with a creative vision, and that is coming from like Waldron, from Kugler, from from people who actually give a shit about this. And and there are still writers who are able to do something, even if it is a shortened something, and not able to span out to a full like three act or six episode TV show. Well, yeah. So we'll get into that and people that give a shit and, and things being good again and enthusiasm next week as we do Ms. Marvel. For now, this has been Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Maybe not as much multiverse as some people wanted, as much madness as I wanted and more. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Thank you. And as always... Excelsior. Excelsior. Right, everyone.